Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Now, church, remember where we left off last week, okay? Because we're at Calvary, we go verse by verse by verse, so we're picking up where we left off. Jesus' public ministry at this time is coming to a close, okay? He's got about four days left. All the public ministry is done. A lot of things are beginning to unfold. But where we left Jesus was he was in a dialogue with his disciples, okay? There's people all around him, but he's in a dialogue with his disciples. And if you recall, they came to him last week with a request, right? Some Greeks had come into the feast and they found Philip and said, Philip, we wish to see Jesus, sir. We wish to, we want to see Jesus. Well, they he goes and finds Andrew. He, they come and say, Jesus, they, we have some folks that want to see you. Now, here's what we need to remember. Jesus had just come into Jerusalem and the shouts and the praise of a huge crowd. You remember, there was about 2.5 million people all in Jerusalem. Now, to you and I, I mean, think about it. Lubbock, Texas is about is about, what, 250,000? Could you imagine just being swelled to about 2.5 million? And uh, Alice knows she's been to Israel. I mean, it's not a very big place, so there's people everywhere. Here comes Jesus, right, on Palm Sunday. You've got a group of people that are wanting to make him king, but not, not king of their hearts, not the king of their spirit. They want to make him a political king. God, Hosanna, save us now. We're tired of Rome. They're just oppressing us. And Jesus says, no, 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 I'm not going to have any part in that. See, Jesus came back for one purpose and one purpose only. You go, what's that? To reconcile us back to God by dying on the cross. That was his purpose, and he knew it. Now, when I think about the crowd yelling Hosanna, and I think about the other crowd, I think a couple of things come to mind, okay? You go, what's that? Well, at this point in our study, in verses 24 to 27, we talked about that last week, we need to remind ourselves that Jesus was talking about himself. As a matter of fact, look at verse 24 with me, Jesus speaking. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Now, what we need to be clear in verse 27, in a metaphorical language, this is the Lord's own death, its own burial, its own resurrection, and its effectiveness, right? What's he he saying, Pastor? He's saying that he was the grain of wheat about to fall into the ground, right, and die and be buried, and because of his death, multitudes everywhere, every tongue and t- every tongue and tribe, every nation would come forth. You go, well, you said a lot of words, but I'm not sure what you're talking about. Jesus is saying that he's telling us as disciples, we're sitting there wide-eyed, ready to see what he says. And he says, I am that wheat that's going to fall into the ground and I'm going to die. And you and I, we probably tuned out at that point because we're thinking, what are our lives going to look like if Jesus dies? But he says, but listen, here's, I have to. I have to go in the ground and I have to be. Now, you need to help me out here, guys. If you were here last week, is Jesus going into the ground to be buried or just to be planted? He's going to be planted, right? Why? Because something that's buried doesn't, doesn't ever come back up. Something planted is going to come up beautifully. And because he does that, you and I are saved. That's where salvation comes. So Jesus is saying to us, I'm the one. 
Now, again, we need to understand he's talking in paradoxes, don't you think? In verse 24 and 25 and 26, he's trying to convey a message, but here's his message. He's saying, it's only by death that you can gain life, right? He's the one that says, think about it. If unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, and, and again, before we move on to the paradoxes, I just I feel impressed upon my heart that we need to understand this in our lives, right? We need to understand this in our lives. Because there's a couple of things that happens. There's a couple of things where you and I say, listen, I want to follow the Lord. And so I want to, what? I want to allow my life to go into the ground in the same way, whether it's through baptism or whatever it might be. But I I don't want to be buried. I'm going to be planted because I want God to use me in an amazing way. Do we want that? Absolutely. We do. But there are times, guys, when the world will try to bury you. You know what I'm talking about? The world will do that. That's ugly, right? And the world will try to bury. Now, we have two options. We could say, oh, well, my friends and the world and, and all the circumstances are trying to bury me so that I'm not fruitful for the Lord. And what happens is we feel like we're buried, but we need to remember that we're, we're just simply planted. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the old farmer, okay? The old farmer, he had this just wonderful, wonderful mule, and one day the mule fell into a hole, and the farmer was looking, and he couldn't get the mule out, and and he, he's just like, oh, I don't know what to do. I can't get him, and he decided, well, I'm going to count, you know, count my losses, and I just, I, I just need to bury him. And, I mean, that's just, I can't get him out. So he got his shovel, and he started throwing some dirt on him. And as he threw big piles of dirt, the mule would just shake it off, right? He'd shake off the dirt, and then he would just step on it. And he kept throwing, him and his friends kept throwing dirt on it, kept shaking it off. Do you realize that what, what happened is eventually there was enough dirt, and he kept shaking it off and stepping on it, that the mule just simply climbed out of the hole? And I think that's a lot. See, the world wants to throw dirt on you. You've got to shake it off, Okay. And just keep moving forward because God's there with you. God's there with you. And so you're going, okay, I got this. I'm not going to let the world try to bury me because I'm not buried. I'm planted. And one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow. One day. One day is, uh, it's just going to sprout. And you can see that in your, in, your, in your relationships and how your conversations begin to turn. Before you used to talk about football and maybe football might be the conversation starter. But all of a sudden then you're talking about spiritual things. And God is doing incredible things for whatever it might be. Back in our study, guys, he uses three paradoxes. It's only through death you can gain life. Speaking of Jesus, it's only by spending life you can retain it. And, of course, the third one, it's only by serving that greatness comes. Verse 26. That's what's kind of going on. Jesus is saying, this is me. I'm going to die. The second thing that comes to mind now, and I want you to feel the weight of this, guys. The second thing that comes to mind is I believe that Jesus at this point realizes his impending death on the cross, both physically and spiritually. You go, what do you mean? Listen, starting in verse 27, the mood of what's happening begins to change. You go, what do you mean? Just a moment before Jesus is preaching and, and you remember there's the feast and there's people all over the place and Philip and Andrew come to him and say, Lord, we got some people that want to see you. And he says, no, that's okay. The hour has come. I'm ready to go. And he starts preaching. He starts teaching. And then all of a sudden, the mood changes. The mood changes. Now, here's what we need to understand in order to feel the weight of the text. You go, what's that? 
Jesus was fully God and fully human. You guys believe that? Okay? But the Word of God tells us that he emptied himself of being God to become man. As a matter of fact, listen to the way that Paul puts it. You can jot this down if you're a note taker. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8, Paul writes, he says, speaking of Jesus, you must have, he says, the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now, for me, again, that's the, that's the thing we want. We want to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus has. You go, what was that attitude, Ben? He says, though he was God, he did not think of it uh, of equality with God as some something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. That's what Paul says, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. So again, we understand that, yes, although he was God, he was fully human. And, and you go, okay, so what does that mean to me? Well, I, I take comfort in the fact that my Jesus was human and he knows what I go through. He knows when my heart is broken. He knows when I'm emotional. He knows all of these things. He knows what it feels like to be betrayed. That's the God I want to serve. When I can come to him and go, God, do you understand? He goes, yes, I do. I understand. Well, God, nobody understands. I do. I do. That's what he's saying. Right? And, and, and Jesus, just a few verses earlier, looked at his disciples and he said, now, now listen, guys, listen. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And I want to stop and I want to think of my, of my Jesus. And I wonder right now if, if perhaps Jesus began to consider the cross. Why? Well, think about it. Because of his proximity and even the horror of the cross. I wonder if this point he's like, my hour has come. And then he realizes, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Now, listen, listen. Certainly, the Lord's death never came as a surprise to him. Okay? The cross has been planted in the mind of God from all eternity. It was designed that God's, the Son of God would adopt from the form of humanity and die on the cross. I mean, it never that he knew that was his purpose. Guys, but I want you to think about this. The reality of the cross was only days away. Now, here's what you and I need to understand that I believe Jesus knew. You go, why? What's that? When it comes to crucifixion, I was on my computer, typed up a little bit, just kind of see what, what it was about. I didn't want to give you a whole... Uh, teaching on it, but the crucifixion, guys, was a method of torture. Okay, it wasn't just putting somebody to death. It wasn't Rome going, okay, you're really a pain. L- let's just take him out. And, and I mean, it was it was a particularly cruel and unusual form of disposing of people. Crucifixion was usually intended to provide death that was particularly slow, painful. If you're taking note, the term excruciating, you ever hear that term, excruciating pain? It actually comes literally from crying out of crucifying. So when you say, man, that pain was excruciating, you're actually referencing the pain that Jesus would have felt on the cross. Excruciating. It was gruesome. It was humiliating. 
And it was very, very, very public, using whatever means were most expedient for that goal. Crucifixion methods, they varied considerably with location in the time period, but in, in some cases, the condemned was forced to carry his crossbeam to the place of execution. The whole cross, guys, would weigh about 300 pounds. And so we have to understand that it probably wasn't the full cross that Jesus carried down the Via, Via Della Rosa through the streets of Jerusalem up into Calvary. It was simply was the crossbeam. You go, okay, well, what was that about? Well, the crossbeam was probably weighing about 100 pounds. You go, wow. Now, think about this. He's carrying a 100-pound crossbeam to his death after being scourged, after significant blood loss, after everything inside him is being exposed and simply just red with blood. With a crown of thorns beat down on his head, being hit and spat on, and, and the cat of nine tails that would come around, guys, and it would rip flesh and muscle and nerves through. And then he was forced. Now, again, you go, why are you, why are you describing this? Because I think at this point, Jesus looks and he realizes, okay, that's just, uh, that's just a few days away. That's just a few days away. So my Jesus, fully God and fully man, I think he understands the cross. I think he understands the physical pain of what he's about to go through. But I also believe that he understands the spiritual aspect of the cross. You go, like what? Guys, think about this. Think about this. The mood changes in our study, but I think Jesus goes, okay, I know this is going to hurt. Is this going to hurt? This is going to hurt. This is going to hurt a lot. But I think he's slipping aside and going, now the sins of all of mankind are going to be put upon me. The Bible says that this was a man who knew no sin, that he became sin so that we would become righteous. And so I think in both areas, Jesus is going, okay, okay, okay. Right? Fully God, Lord, I'm going to take on this. I'm going to take on, I'm going to take on Ben Martinez's sins. All of them? All of Ben. Just think about it. Just mine. And then he's going to say, no, not only Ben's, but the whole world. For God so loved the world, guys. And so I believe that's why, that's why the mood changes. And that's where we pick up our story. Go with me to verse 27. This is where we'll look today. Verse 27. Jesus is speaking, right? He just gave us three paradoxes, and now he says, My soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Now, here's what we need to note, guys. I've told you before, but I want to just remind you. John, in writing the gospel, only gives us snapshots of the deity of Jesus and not the details. Right? Because right away, you guys are such great Bible students, you're thinking, well... Where's the Garden of Gethsemane? Where was he? Where was he on there? And he was and he was so agony and he was and he was sweating great drops of blood because he was knowing that he was he was headed to the cross. Well, John only going to give us a snapshot. OK, and he says, this is what Jesus said. He said, my soul 
is troubled. You can interchange that for my soul, my spirit, whatever that was in him, he says is troubled. The word troubled in the Greek is where it comes, it, where we, we have something that comes into a boil, right? It starts off and then, and then slowly it starts to get even more and more. And I think that's where he's at. He's looking at the guys and he's like, hey, hey, y'all, my hour's coming, right? Before then, he said, listen, let's get out of here. My hour has not yet come. Now he's going, it's time to go to the cross. And the, and the boys are like, okay, what does that mean? He says, listen, listen, uh, Paul and Lisa... I'm going to the cross. I'm going to, I'm going to die for y'all. He, that's what he's saying. He's using paradoxes, right? And we're just kind of going, yeah, cool, Jesus. Well, when are you going to take down Rome? And then he turns to them and, and he looks at him and he says, guys, my soul is troubled. Well, what shall I say then? Right? And, and, and I think you and I as disciples are like this, like, oh, my goodness, what is he saying? And he's saying, should I say, Father, save me from this hour? Now, I would. How many times have we said that? God said, if you'll get me out of this, I'll serve you. I promise. God, if you'll just save me from this. We've done that, but Jesus knows exactly. And he says, but no, I can't. Why? Because it's this, it's for this purpose that I, that I came. See, John doesn't tell us about the prayer in Gethsemane, but the idea behind the prayer is what Jesus expressed here in verse 27. See, Jesus knowing this was the crucial hour, Jesus isn't asking for an, for an escape. Why? Because he knew it was for this purpose that he came to the earth. For this purpose. I wonder, what, imagine with me, church, could you imagine, you know our, our Jesus is smart and wonderful, but you know that his purpose was the cross. And I wonder for the three years that he did ministry, but I'm, ta- I'm talking his whole life, I wonder if the shadow of the cross was always a reminder of his destiny. The shadow. You go, why? Well, this wasn't the only crucifixion. Could you imagine as he approached Jerusalem with his disciples, he would look off to uh, the distance and he would see where three criminals, four criminals, two criminals would have been crucified and he would have looked at the cross. Maybe the, maybe the blood-stained cross was just what was left over after the bodies were taken down and Jesus looked and said, you know, a couple of things. He said, oh my goodness, that's the very person I died for. But then he thought, that's my destiny. That's my fate. I wonder if he was sitting with his disciples and he looked out and he said, listen, do you realize that the harvest is what? The harvest is ready and the workers are few. And Jesus goes, in order for us to reap the harvest, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go to the cross. I'm going to have to go to the cross. And I'm thinking about this, guys. I'm thinking about how many times he walked by a crucifixion site and he saw. You see, you and I, we're a little bit different. There are times that we think of our own death, but we don't spend time dwelling on how we might die. Why? We don't know our destiny, and we don't know how we will die one day, but Jesus surely did. And you and I, we get up and we go, yeah, one day I'm going to be with him, praise the Lord. See, for the Christian, it's a lot different than just dying. For the Christian, it's like, I can't wait to go home. But for Jesus, guys, as he, as he walked by, as he's, as, as he's seen a cross, I wonder if he said, one day, one day this is my reality. 
for us. For us. So Jesus says, notice, he says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me, but for this purpose. I came to this hour. Look at verse 28. He says, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said, no, 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 it wasn't thundered. That was an angel that spoke to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Don't you just love that? Don't you just, oh man, sometimes I just want to just love on my Jesus. And you go, why? Because Jesus was talking to the Father all the time. He didn't need a thunderous voice to speak to him. He heard him in the still small voice. He heard him in the depths of his heart. But God spoke so that what? So that the people could hear. And I wonder what it would be like. I mean, think about it. We hear a thunder and we oh, we get scared or whatever it might be. But But let's break this down for just a second, okay? Jesus thought, guys, that the cross is just a few days away, right? Let me say that again. You guys aren't catching this. Jesus knew the cross, the scourging, the carrying, the death was just a few days away. You guys with me? What is it? Where's his heart? All he says is, my soul is troubled, but here's his heart. His heart is simply this. He says what? I want to glorify your name. Right? His main concern, guys, was to glorify the name and the character of God the Father. Right? And I stopped right there in the middle of the Bible study and I said, Oh, God, may may our lives reflect the same heart of Jesus. May our lives simply, we live to glorify his name. Now, let me just give you a little backstory before I give you the application. You go, what's that? The other day, Nathalie and I were talking and, and we were speaking about some stuff. And she goes, you know, one of the things we have to remember is we have to give the people the how-to. You can say, hey, you need to have a quiet time. But a lot of people go, amen. I have no idea what a quiet time is. It's our, it's our job to give the people the how-to. Like, what, what does that mean? So when I stand up here from the pulpit and say, hey, guys, it's, it's our, our purpose should have the, we should have the heart of Jesus to glorify God, our question should be, how do I do that? How do I do that? Well, for the sake of time, I can't give you a whole lot, but let me go ahead and give you at least five, I think at least five ways we can glorify God in our everyday lives. And this is important that you take notes because there are five ways I think every single day we can glorify God in our lives. You go, how so? Number one, in our thoughts. You can glorify the Lord Jesus and his name in your thoughts. Why? Because God knows our minds and he knows our hearts. And now let me say this to you, okay? Our inner self, our inner thoughts usually reflect our outer actions, deeds, and attitudes. You go, Pastor, what does it mean? You want to glorify God? It starts with inside. Why? Because your outside usually just follows your inside. And that's where we get our attitudes from, right? Now, none of you have the attitudes as you drive around the loop and somebody's trying to cut you off or they're going too slow or whatever it might be. And you're just, guys are so gracious. And that person cuts you off and you just say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. (laughs) But me, I have to watch my attitude. Because I will pass that person and I will look at him and I will give him a dirty look and I'll be like, I can't believe you just... Where does it start? In our thoughts, in our thoughts, right? 
The Bible says to take every thought captive unto the glory of the Lord. So I, I want to glorify the Lord in my thoughts. You go, where else? Number two, you want to glorify the Lord in our words. In our words. Oh, that we speak to others and about others should be glorifying to God. Wait, you didn't hear me. Y'all didn't hear me. The way we speak to others and about others, hello, should be glorifying to God. You know that old saying, if you have nothing good to say, don't say nothing at all. Can I get an amen? Amen. Because if we're not going to be lifting people up. Okay, how many of you in this room are misfits? How many of you are just misfits? You just, you just, exact, we, we all got issues. We all got problems. We're in the, we're in the discounted, the one pant leg is longer than the other. That's where we are. We're not, we're not in the nice way. We're over here. We're like, okay, I got issues. And, and we know that about each other. And yet we talk, we still talk about each other. Because somehow, okay, I'm going to step on your toes, okay? Because Somehow we feel like if I can talk and gossip about somebody, it somehow makes me feel better. Well, you should have seen, and you should know. And you did you hear this? Yeah, they're a mess, as well as myself. Can you buy that, church? Okay, so how you, and then, and then the second part is, guys, is, is, is just being kind to each other. Why are we, I mean, just being kind? And now, now listen, when you come to church, you guys are awesome. God bless you, sister. How are you? Good to see you. Oh, you, I love your hair. And oh, you look so nice today. And wow, you're losing weight. You guys are kind here. But, but let's take this out there to those who don't know God. Or those who know God, but simply need just a kind word. There are so many hurting people, guys, at the grocery store and wherever you go today. There's so many. And a smile and a kind word. We'll do a lot of wonders. I'm sorry. I, I, get, I get to preaching. Number three. Number three. You want to glorify God? In our works. In our works. What we do. How so? Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You ready? How you do your job brings glory to God. Do your job the best you don't have the Christian stigma. Oh, Christians are lazy. Look at that. He goes, they go to all they preach about Jesus. No, when you go to work, work and give give your employer eight hours, strong eight hours, and watch them glorify the Lord. Why? Because we want to be set apart and be different. By our works. How we work at home, how you keep your yard. Do you pick up after your dog when you take him for a walk? People see that, see? People see that, and, and we want to glorify the Lord. How about this one, number, number four? In our attitude. Dun, dun, dun. You go, what do you mean? Our perspective about life, our perspective on people and ourselves is an outward reflection of our inner self. It's important to maintain a godly attitude that encompasses patience, goodness, kindness, and compassion. 
Let me ask you, what kind of person are you? Are you a person that says, good morning, Lord? Or are you a person that says, good Lord, it's morning? See, it's attitude. It's attitude. And I'm not saying you have to be a morning person. I get it. I get it. I'm not. I mean, bless Nathalie. I, you know, unless I have my cup of coffee, I'm walking in the morning. She's like, good morning. I'm like, I get it. But attitude, guys, throughout the day, throughout the day, throughout the day. What if life throws you a curveball? What if life, what if, what if, what if you woke up one day and it was just the day that, you know what? You had such a bad day. You were having such a bad, I mean, what, what, what would our attitude still be? It's hard, but we need to count our blessings. We need to count our blessings. Right? We have to get out of the I deserve. This is what I deserve. We don't deserve nothing. We are blessed. And if you eat today, you're blessed. If you're up and breathing today, you're blessed. And, and uh, man, it was, it was Solomon to tell us, guys, we, we need to live on moments. We need to live moments. Moments. Take those moments, man. Can I exhort you to do something that we, I know we don't do a lot? You ready? Could you just laugh? Not right now. But could you just laugh? We don't laugh anymore. And laughing is so good. You ever, you know, you have that laugh where it hurts. I mean, it just hurts. You're just laughing so hard. You're on the floor laughing. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? But the world says, you need to be serious. You got to be serious. Stop dying. Stop. Stop having fun, Christian. No. No. Why? Because life is funny. Life is funny. Life is funny. How about this last one, okay? You want to glorify the God? Glorify God in your relationships. In your relationships. The way we treat our families and friends should be a reflection how, of how Christ treated people. The relationships that we have should adhere to his word and his design in our relationships. You want to glorify the Lord? Jesus said, may I glorify? You want to glorify, glorify God in your relationship? Glorify God. Let me give you a quick one and I'll move on because here's the thing. Here's the thing. In a relationship, when you say, I'm sorry, please forgive me, because we're going to blow it, aren't we? We're going to blow it. And I think it's quick to go into my relationship. I want to glorify God. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. You know, my head popped off for just a second. I put it back on. I'm okay now. Whatever it might be. But in our relationships, guys, why? Because people are watching. People are watching how you treat each other. Now, I wish I could be, say up here and go, come on, y'all, do what I do. But I'm like, man, I'm the, I'm the worst of all of them. I, I, I want to get better at that. I, wanna, I want my relationships to glorify God. These are ways, right? Five ways that we can glorify God in our lives. Well, there's many, many more, but we don't have for the sake of time. Let's continue in our study. Verse 29 is where we're at. He says, therefore... The people who stood by and heard it said, man, I think it thundered. Others said, no, I heard an angel. And Jesus said, the voice didn't come because of me, but for your sake. If you're taking note, this is the third audible divine testimony to Jesus' status as him as the son of God, right? The divine voice heard at his baptism and his transfiguration. This is the third time. People go, wow. And I want you to put yourself, just for a second, in your minds, 
what would you do if Jesus was speaking and then you heard God speak from heaven to the Lord? I mean, I think at that point, I'm like, I'm in. I believe Jesus. I'm, you know. And I wonder how many of those said, oh, that's just circumstance. I thought I heard thunder. You heard thunder, wasn't a cloud in the sky? Really? Oh, it was an angel. No, it was the Lord speaking. It was the Lord speaking and Jesus smiling at you going, that wasn't for me. I hear him all the time. That's for y'all. Let me ask you a question, church. In your walks with God, where would you rather be? Would you rather hear God in a thunderous voice or would you rather him every single day in your heart of hearts as you walk in every day? Every day, right? Just like Jesus. Well, that's the whole point. See, the resurrection power in you gives you access to God every single... You don't need to hear him in a thunderous voice. You get him and go, God, I'm here. What do you want me to do today? What do you want me to do? Lead me, guide me. Lead me, guide me. Jesus says, now this is the judgment of the world. Now that the ruler of this world will be cast out. Now, notice what Jesus just declared, guys. If you're taking note, he's saying the cross is the condemnation of what? Number one, the judgment upon those who reject it. That's what the cross is going to do. Right? Number two, the cross is the condemnation. It's the basis for the ultimate victory over Satan. Over Satan. Right? I think that's so cool. Why? Because Paul in the book of Colossians vividly describes the defeat of Satan in, on the cross. See, again, you guys got to think about this for just a moment. So many times, you know, we're, we're, we're fighting Satan. We don't need to fight Satan. Jesus took care of that. All, our job is just to worship the Lord. Notice what Paul says. In Colossians chapter 2, four, uh, 14 and 15, he says, He canceled the record of the charges against us. Amen took away it by nailing it to the cross. Amen. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Did you hear what God said? He disarmed He disarmed the spiritual ruler. He disarmed Satan and all the authorities on the cross. What does that mean? Ready? Jot this down. He has no power over you. The dude is, the, the dude is, um, I don't, I, uh, I don't even have the accurate words to describe him. He wants to, he wants to bug you. He wants to oppress you. He wants to trip you up. He has no power over you because of the cross. The only power the enemy has in your life is the power you give him. That's profound. We need it. We need it. We need to Instagram that thing. Okay, verse 32. Jesus continues on. He says, and I, notice what he says, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. Now, Jesus proclaims, guys, that only being lifted up on the cross, right, for all to see. Now, remember, what is he saying? Well, there were 2.5 million people in Jerusalem at the time. And he's going, listen, if you, if you lift me up on the cross, okay, he says, I will draw all peoples. Now, remember who is asking to see him. Who's in the feast? You have Jews that were there and Greeks. And he's saying to you, listen, I would, I'm going to draw all people to me, both Jews, Greeks, and Gentiles. But here's what's interesting. You ready? Ready to do some work? The verb used for lifted, has a deliberate double meaning. It means both literal in elevation, 
as being raised up in the cross, but it's also, guys, an exaltation, being raised in rank or honor. See, Jesus promised that when he was lifted up, when he was elevated on the cross, he would draw all peoples to himself. Right Now, before we finish up with the next couple of verses, I want you to think about the cross in our lives for just a moment. Right? Because the question is, how can I exalt Jesus to all of my family, friends, and co-workers so they can all come to him? How can I do this? Right? Because we know that he has already been lifted up. We can point to the cross. But if it's exaltation, how can we do this. Well, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, guys, um, if you guys would just promote my religion, then I'll draw all peoples to myself. He said, uh, don't, don't, if you'll just promote my cause. Let me just give you my platform. Hey, if you guys would just promote my denomination. Jesus said, if you lift me up in your life, If you lift me up in your life, he will draw all people to himself. Here's the question. Ready? Jot this down. How can I raise the Lord in rank and honor in my life? How can I do that? You know, Ben, could you help me out for just a minute? What does honor mean? Honor originates in our hearts and refers to the value we personally place on something or someone. That's what it means. How can we do this. How can we do this, guys? You see, the Bible gives us many ways to honor and glorify God. We show him in high regard and reflect his character by living our lives devoted to him. You go, what does that mean? It's not merely, it's not enough to merely honor him outwardly. Praise the Lord, right? God desires honor that comes from our hearts. You go, how so? Number one, you want to honor the Lord. When we delight in the Lord and we seek him in everything we do, you honor the Lord. You go, what else, Ben? When we make choices that reflect the place he has in our hearts, we bring the greatest honor to him. When we make those choices. So what happens now? Well, the people speak, right? Jesus said, if I be lifted up. And the people answered, we have heard from the law that Christ remains forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up, right? Who is this Son of Man? Well, the people have been taught only passages from the law, the Old Testament, which spoke of the triumphant Messiah. They were mostly unaware of the passage that spoke of the suffering, you know, such as Psalm 22 or Isaiah 53. So it made him wonder for just a second. They took a step back and said, is he really the Messiah, the son of man? Because we thought our God was going to come in in triumphant power. But you're talking about dying on the cross and suffering and you being lifted. They knew exactly what he was talking about. They knew exactly. You can feel the overtones of Jesus' death throughout this whole passage. Listen, if a seed goes in the ground and dies, if, if I be lifted up, right? You know what he's talking about. And Jesus responds in these last verses. And Jesus said to them, a little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have light, lest the darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. Isn't that the truth? Verse 36, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. You go, what did Jesus just do? 
Jesus assured all of us, guys, that he would be with them only a short time longer. We only have four days with him. The light, what's he talking about? The light of his earthly ministry was about to go out. But the light of his eternal ministry is going to last even to 2018 because here it is. Here it is. Okay? And he's saying, guys, a little while longer the light is with you. Guys, walk while it's still light. Now, let's close our Bible study like this, guys. Let's close our Bible study like this. Jesus is only about four days from dying on the cross for our sins. I believe the reality is setting in, but Jesus isn't wavering from his mission. He doesn't waver. He's not going, oh, hold on. Hold on, boys. You sit right here, and, and, and I'm going to go. And, and, and he's, He knows what he's going to do. See, his, his, what, his heart is set toward the cross, knowing that this will, 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 will reconcile us back to God. What was lost in the Garden of Eden is going to be found on Calvary. You go, Ben, what's my application? What's my application? One day, one day, if Jesus does not return for us, every one of us is going to die. Now, Pastor, I didn't come to church to hear about death. No, 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 listen, that's just a reality. You know, statistically... 10 out of 10 people die, right? We're, we're going to die. And what that means for us is the light of our lives are going to be, is, going to be, is going to be quickly out. And so what we've learned today, guys, what we've learned today is that you're here for a reason. You, you have a plan and a purpose. You go, what's that? Number one, to glorify the Lord's name in everything you do. To bring glory to his name. So people won't lift you up, but they'd lift Jesus up. That's, that's really what you're here for. And while it's still light, while you have breath in your lungs, church, that's what we should do. I want to exhort you to, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to glorify him in my thoughts, in my words, my actions, my attitudes. I'm going to glorify him at work. I'm going to purpose to set my mind on, 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 on praising the name of Jesus. And you go, what else am I? What else have we learned? Well, church, we also learned that that we need to honor the Lord. Because he said, if I be lifted up, remember, the verb is a double. If I be lifted up, how do we honor the Lord? How do we honor the Lord? Right? It's it's a little bit different in, in glorifying God, but here's how we honor the Lord, right? While you still have breath in your lungs, guys, delight in him. Delight in him. Enjoy your God. Seek him in everything you do. If you're going to buy a car, seek the Lord. If you're going to purchase a house, seek the Lord. If you're looking for a mate, seek the Lord. I'd rather you be single and 35 waiting for God's best than making hasty and foolish choices. Honor God. God, I trust you with my life. What do you have for me? What do you have for me? Make choices, guys, that reflect the place 
that he, ha- that he has in your heart. Make choices. You have a choice. You have a choice to be kind to people, and you have a choice to be mean to people. You have a choice to lift up people. You have a choice to tear down people. You have a choice to... When we take a moment to reflect and go, okay, Lord, while there's still light, my choice is to seek you and honor you in everything I do. Everything I do. And God, I'm not looking for the pat on the back from men. I'm waiting for those beautiful words when I see you face to face, when you tell me, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your rest. I'm, that's those what I'm. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Lord, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, God, that we can learn and grow and glean. We love you, Jesus. You so much. We just thank you for today, Lord. And wow, what an amazing time in your word, God. And I know that you you realizing the cross. I I know that those that's coming soon. For us, Lord, it's, it's, we have several more chapters before you get there, but Lord, even now, you show us your humanity. And Lord, we thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. So Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.